Just went to a ball, the latex ball. Shout out mm-hmm. to the latex ball. And it was so cool because it was like, it was like a story being told. This like pantomime. There's this one girl like whipped, she like ripped out a piece of her weave, but then she was pull, she was holding it like it was the other girl's hand and she was like dragging herself across the stage and, and then was like whipping the other girl with it. It was it was so good. It, also, it, like, Queen did like a handstand, like kind of kicked up into a handstand. Yeah. But the other Queen voguing like slapped at her pussy. <laughs> yeah. Upside down. Or like wafted it. Yeah. She was like. But it was so good. It was so good. It, it happened just, so fast. It was like super. Yeah. All in time. To, it's like, like one. I don't know. What would you say? What would the BPM be? The music is super fast. It's like 150 or yeah, something. Yeah, it's like... Da, 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 it's like really da, da, da. fast. A lot of the, the drag ballroom music is... Who's the... I mean, Mike Q Mike was Q. the one who was DJing, who's just playing the like the beats. As seen now today on the, the HBO show Legendary, where they have actual like... I guess it is kind of a, a ball competition. Between or really the, voguing the competition legendary houses. Between the houses. And they're all New York houses. Yeah. Most well, yeah, this houses. is what we're talking about. This is what we're talking but about. But there's, um, there's an MC who's announcing as things are going on who's like kind of rapping over the beat. And then there's the classic 1001. 1002. <laughs> yeah. And 1003. And now hold, hold that, that pose, pose for me. me. And they never hold the pose. And you're supposed to freeze in a pose yeah. where you get a photo and the judges can like really make up their mind on like who's got the but better look or moves. No one at the ball held the pose. Maybe they couldn't hear no, you so could definitely hear. I mean, I feel like you could hear. Um, okay, so I'll I'll say some of the the houses, the names of the houses, and then like some of the newer the newer like categories and terms, and then you can talk about RuPaul. Does mm-hmm. that sound good? Yes. There's the house of the Royal House of Labasia, right? It's is <laughs> run chiefly by Pepper Labasia. After Crystal Labasia, I think, died of liver failure. They think from complications of taking, like, because hormone therapy wasn't good. Wasn't dialed in yet. Yeah, so they think it... I want to ask, if, like, a mother or father dies in a house, though, are they, like, there's, like, a line of succession? Or does the house kind of end and break up? Or, like, who knows? Yeah. No. Oh, no, there's there's definitely a line of succession. And they, they like, I think people s- sort of pledge, like, someone new to, it's to like, be the mother. Yeah. And... It's like royal families, though, right? Well, like in history, like who knows if like the House of Stewart or like some you know royal line is gonna like continue or end. I think you know, though. Like I think it's like houses. it's just it's like if the actual mother had like an emergency, then who would you trust to like take over? I, I feel like you kind of just know like who the who's gonna step in. Or sometimes there's just maybe there's there's no one in the house end. I don't think that because the houses are enormous. They're like from all over the world now. But they like I was listening to interviews with with the house people from the houses in Legendary, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we never met each other. We chatted online, but like they all had to come to film like in the same spot." And they're like, "Oh, there's like five members from like a house of who knows how many. There's like chapters (laughs) all over the world." So there's the gorgeous house of Gucci, uh, founded by Jack Mizrahi Gucci. (laughs) 
It is so funny to me, and I've said this a bunch, that all of these, so well, not all of them, but so many of the houses are just named after actual fashion brands, which is just some Italian guy who like is a, you know, does couture, but then your like drag house named themselves after it. Yeah, but here's, which let's is confusing. See. I mean, there's the House of Ebony. That's so, like Balenciaga did not sponsor the your house. house. Of Why would you? Like, yeah. Well, I think fashion labels are like go off because it's like you're doing runway, so it's like I mean that's it makes you know. sense. It's everything is treated like it's a fashion house, but it's just so funny that it's like and then there's name your house whatever the house is. The House of Orici has a lot of branching offs because mm. people like leave a house and then like start their own house, and so I think Orici has members in like former members in Balenciaga and Mugler. You have 40 houses in this list. Yeah, I was just... Let's go. So... um, We to get through this. The House of Latex. Let me just talk about that one. House of Latex started because the gay men's health crisis. They wanted to come to balls and give out condoms. but And they would set up tables. This was like in the 80s. And no one would take the condoms because there was a stigma about it. They were like, if you take the condom, that means you have AIDS. Because why... They didn't know it was like a preventative. They they didn't know it was protective, like for you not to get it. They were like, you're clearly trying to protect yeah. someone. I've I've heard that there's a similar backlash around taking prep. Where right. People are like, why would you take prep if you're? Does if, that mean you're having risky sex? Yes. Like, have no so, standards. Yeah. They so no one would take them, and then they were like, well, if we actually like got into like the ball seat, like we started competing and stuff, and we made a statement, so they. They did. Yeah, they started a house and people, that is how you do activism. Right? That is I mean, yeah. And we went we went to the latex ball and the only way you could get VIP was if you went to get like an exam or get prep. Um and I was like, that is so cool. (laughs) That's that really is because you that's like such a desirable thing. And they're like, no, you just like take care of your sexual health and it was free for everyone else so it's not like you get punished if you don't but you just don't get to go to vip no that was brilliant yeah like, yeah what a hats yes. off to them okay some of the houses by the way there's like house of dupree and the founder of the house's last name is dupree for yes. example so i'm or this, ninja the house my, of ninja yeah house of ninja like my, my complaint is not like that much of a blanket complaint but i just like it is funny to me that someone would be like you know, there's no house of Chanel. House What's of, up with that? There's like a house of Mugler, and it's like Mugler is like Who a real. That is a real person like already who's not who's, like in the ball scene. Just name it after yourself. Maybe you never know. <laughs> Terry, Terry Mugler is like stomping the runway like a robot. Yeah. Um, okay, so the categories mm-hmm. the because this confused us, so I'm just gonna like when we were like looking at the flyer, we were like, wait. Yeah, explain it. Okay, What's the so. Deal? Femme Queen or FQ, they, it used to be like basically trans women or gay men, but now it's, it's like anyone who's femme presenting. That's why it's called like Femme Queen mm-hmm. and Butch Queen because they didn't want to exclude, they didn't want to get into like the semantics. They were like, yeah, yeah. if you're presenting like female, you're in this category. So you're right? a Femme Queen. Yeah. So you're FQ. If you're, if you're male presenting, you're a BQ. <laughs> Um, and then there's drags, which is gay men and drags. (laughs) Um, there's male, male figure, which is a collection of butch queens and trans men. 
So, and that one was is like the body, basically, like showing off your body. Um, yeah, so male figure was almost like a, we saw a couple's male figure like, oh, yeah. category. And it was just ridiculously strong. It was a body, like a body, body competition yeah. almost, but it was like a pretty lean physique, but it was like, also the couples that we saw though, the the man was just like shredded yes. and like huge traps. And then the the woman had a huge ass. It's true. Yeah. And like a lot of like implants. So there's a, a particular like, yeah, figure they're going for too. Okay. So there's voguing, which is the use of the elements of vogue, which are hands, catwalk, which is like the very like cunty standing runway hip walk. walk for me. Yeah. Then there's the duck walk, which is like that little like squat where you're in a squat a and Russian. you're like exactly a little Russian. A little Russian there's yeah. floor, which is like the break, they're break dance fighting. There's spins and dips mm-hmm. and dips is just any move where you go from like standing to the floor in one movement. I think some Could. people, if you do it crazy, people who are not in the know call it a death drop or like a shablam, but really just a dip is like, Shablams and death drops are like a, I, a fun way to talk about it. Yeah. A shablam. I love how there's like the five elements yeah. of Vogue because there's the five elements of hip hop. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, there's the old way, which is the old style of voguing, which is like the very like pose for me, pose for me. And then the new way is basically like contortion. <laughs> It's like put your arm behind your head, go in a split, and like scooch down the runway. We saw some some new way. Voguing. Yeah, and it did just look like contortion dancing, contortion and posing, because it was like dislocating and rotating their shoulder. Everybody was a contortionist who was doing it, and it looked really cool. The winner was from the House of Ninja, I think. So, yes. So, uh, in the in the. Butch Queen realness. There's the schoolboy, which we talked about. There's thugs, <laughs> mm-hmm. the hyper masculine. There's pretty boy, those who have the demeanor of a metrosexual. And then there's executive, oh, which I would is. Kill it at, yeah. I would kill those it categories. Then I love realness with a twist is like you walk like a very like masculine man and then you start voguing like in a very cunty way, which I'm like, I love that. Um, there's the virgin runway, so you've never been on the runway. There's bizarre, which is your creativity design and over the top. It's like a design challenge with with rare, with like hard to design with materials. I felt that bizarre was the most satisfying category yeah. to watch at the latex ball. Yes, we saw someone unroll House of Extravaganza unrolled a twenty. It was like a, a carpet, fi- like fifty foot long gold carpet out of their body. Ten foot wide, as wide as the runway carpet. Super sparkling. And I, my favorite, uh, followed by dancing with a circus tent. Oh yeah, that was their finale. Them, that was their finale, which is outrageous too. Yeah. Oh, there's there's a labels category. Mm-hmm. So that's where you you wear an authentic label. So you're just like. You're mopping. <laughs> That's it, I guess. Yeah, you're just... And mopping is? Mopping is stealing. Yeah. <laughs> then there's one of my favorite ones. I think it's so weird is face. Yeah, labels category, you just show up in an Armani suit with an Armani, like, socks and shoes and whatever. 
Yeah. Just, yeah, but just do some face, fashion label. Face is just like where you compete with, you can do the symmetry of your face. You can sell your face with like the a garment or jewelry. And then there's face with performance. So you can tell a story using your face with your hands. Wow. Um, and then there's washed face. So it's that's the <laughs> I woke up like this category. And then there's the new face. That would be your category. <laughs> and it's just like... New, what is new face? It's, like new faces? <laughs> It's like you've never done the categories, like okay. virgin face. <laughs> um, so you were talking on that episode of Las Culturistas was a face performer. Oh yeah, from from uh, the House of Mugler, Miyaki Mugler. Yeah, who wanted to get a, a tooth jam? Maybe it was just goofing off for the podcast. He wanted to get but a he tooth was jam. Like, he was like, "I want to get a tooth jam. That'd be cool, but I can't because I walk face." And they'll be like, "What are you? What's on you your tooth? Have, you can't have a prop in the face category." They maybe he's maybe he's washed face. Yeah. Because they do, if you watch it on YouTube, they have to, they sm- they like open their mouth and they like run their tongue on their teeth. It is a little, it's a little fetishy, but I like it. Then there's sex siren. And I love it. They're, it's, it's their sex appeal and how well they're able to persuade, tease, and titillate the judges. Some do so by stripping off their clothes. Other do so with erotic dancing. And yep. some combine the two. We saw a lot of twerking. Yes. But it's not, it's not body though. It's. It's it's you're a sire you're a seductress, mm-hmm. so you don't necessarily have to have like the best body. No, you just have to look like you have a, to use it. You well. have to look like a good time. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we know body structure. Okay. We yeah. Don't have, we don't have to be exhausted. But there. But those are the ones that I found like the most interesting. And then I guess the scoring. Right. You get tens. Tens across the board, you move on, you get chopped. The scoring is pretty much up or down. It's very much gladiator fight in that sense. So you either get the chop or you get tens across the board or a lot of the categories to move them along quickly because there's too many competitors. It's kind of a verse battle and you just like you line up and whoever you're standing across from, you both go up and the, the judges point their fans one way or the other for who they vote for. And the MC quickly counts off, and they're like one, 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 two, yeah, one, three, one, four, two, four, and then like whoever's in the lead, they're like, okay, like Barbie stays, yeah, you know, whatever goes, and they they come up with like a nickname for you very quickly, yeah, they too. do, and like <laughs> whatever, seven heads, oh, stays. five head, yeah, circus, <laughs> circus ten, you go, yeah, yeah. five head goes, yeah, they're. The- I, I, and I like that if any judge chops you, then you just have to go no matter what. And they don't have to give a reason. It's like X Factor. The judges do have... Uh, X Factor even, I think, is you have to get all four Xs. The judges, it's yeah. even more intense. You could see if you watch latex ball... If you get a chop, you're done. If you watch the latex ball video, especially like the the female performance you can see there's a bunch of people that don't even like enter the runway and you can see the judges one of the judges hand is just going nah like, they don't even like the way they are they don't yeah they're just like <laughs> don't you step foot on this <laughs> runway they're like goodbye yeah do not have time this one that. girl had a tutu on and she, she was just like saw her from across the room she was like no Mm-mm. so yeah it's and i heard that it's like if you're not fitting what's on the flyer they read the flyer very specifically and the flyer has details and if that's how the judges go and if they feel like you're not doing that then you're chopped yeah wrong category get out of here yes should we talk about drag race probably how most people have been exposed to drag from the most famous drag queen in the world rupaul we'll do a quick bio of rupaul and then talk about how drag race formed and then 
we'll probably leave it there. A thing I really love about RuPaul's story is that RuPaul was not born into Drag Race royalty or even in New York. RuPaul's from San Diego, oh, California. Great, great. Uh, As a couple siblings, uh, was born to just some like working class parents. Born RuPaul Andre Charles was named after a Ru, like for a, a baby stew. King Ru? Oh. No, R-O-U-X oh. for like a stew by his mother. So yeah, RuPaul is his original name. Um, or just went by Rue, I think, while growing up. RuPaul's parents separated, and he and his siblings lived with his mom, who was a Seventh-day Adventist, and Rue was raised pretty Catholic. And then at age 15... What? You said he didn't have a birthday. birthday. No. At age 15, moved to Atlanta and started uh, attending like a... Oh, also, RuPaul was born in 1960. So this is like before even the Queen was filmed. Paris is Burning was filmed in like 88 or something. So we're like RuPaul was like 28 when Paris is Burning was filmed, but it's not in P- Paris is Burning. So RuPaul is like both much older than you think, but also is very much a late bloomer. And I actually really love this fact about RuPaul's story. It's very cool. So RuPaul moved to, at age 15, moved to Atlanta and like knew that he wanted to be involved in performing arts and was definitely like gay and like sort of questioning and making art around sexuality. Over the next like 10 to 15 years, produced like uh, a short film. What was that short film? Star Booty? Star Booty. As well as an accompanying <laughs> album. Was a singer. Performed in a band in a bunch of gay bars around Atlanta. One of the bands was called Wee Wee Pole. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's great. great. And was very funny. Like RuPaul is like, this is like quintessential to RuPaul's identity. Is like, And also Drag Race, it runs throughout it. Is like RuPaul is a very funny, silly person. And this is like true in his early career as well. Yeah, would open or perform at drag clubs. Produced what really you would call performance art, like very like gender-bending roles, but wasn't doing glamazon, club-worthy like drag at the time, all through Rue's 20s, and didn't really find uh, his niche until like quite late in life. So it wasn't until the late 80s, really like after Paris is Burning was filmed, like around then, that Rue moved to New York. Oh, wow. If you ever think you're too old to like accomplish something or like pull something off, RuPaul didn't really start doing drag in earnest until his late 20s and then moved to New York at like, I think age 28, 29. And RuPaul's first album came out, uh, which had, as we played at the top of the episode, uh, Supermodel or no, Cover Girl. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Supermodel of the World. Is that is that the subtitle? Mm-hmm came out in 92 or 93 RuPaul was like 33 when when his first like commercial album came out and then was like at that point was a fixture of New York City nightlife as the RuPaul drag character had developed and was like glamazon supermodel of the world I think it's more androgynous like an androgynous skinny 90s model like kind of a Naomi Campbell type look but RuPaul is at that like, time, at that time. Sure. Um, yeah. RuPaul is, what, 6'6 six, six or something? Like, Like, barefoot. I don't think the big, tall hair. I think it was more, like, flat-chested and, like, collarbones. At that, that was, like... No, it was not too different. I'll show you pictures of, like... Really? Ru- 80s RuPaul in, like, a dress or a gown, like, performing. Um, RuPaul was just, like, wanted to be and was successfully, like, a pop star... Um, this oh, RuPaul yeah, with a huge afro. Wow, that's so funny. RuPaul looks older then than that's, she does now. 
Oh, that photo's from 2007, but that's oh, RuPaul okay. in a big well, pattern that's gown. That's not what I wanted. Okay. I but wanted... wearing afros and everything is also like very RuPaul. But uh, RuPaul ha- does have a great quote that I like. I'll tell you a little more about RuPaul's career, actually. But first quote, what other people think of me is not my business. What I do is what I do. How people see me doesn't change what I decide to do. I don't choose projects. So people don't see me as one thing or another. I choose projects that excite me. I think the problem is that people refuse to understand that drag is outside of their own belief system. Uh, people refuse to understand what drag is outside of their own belief system. So, uh, yeah, ni- in 93, Supermodel of the World went really big. Yes, that is a photo of Rue. Is a very... This is what I mean. Like Not in drag. Yeah, like looking very mod androgynous. Yeah. But there's also Rue in a big wig with like gaudy makeup from the from that same time period. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so Rue six six, and then in heels, seven feet tall oh was God. the Glamazon, absolutely like huge presence. Oh my God. <laughs> Friends with Suzanne Barsh, yeah, and uh, and and did walk in balls, although I don't think really joined a house necessarily. And also was friends with Lady Bunny too. <laughs> I was friends with Lady Bunny. Rue did perform at Wigstock for like several years. Lady Bunny's. Wigstock is, is uh, yeah, started by. By Lady Bunny. Historic, famous drag queen, Lady Bunny, who's probably the funniest drag queen. Yeah. Um, and. Dur- is, she's it back? So d- is Wigstock back? Yeah, we saw Fatboy Slim as part of Wigstock. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so Wigstock now absolutely huge, but used to be a smaller kind of a drag festival pageant comedy extravaganza block party thing yeah starting in the 90s so rue is in wigstock uh a number of times there's a there's a multiple documentaries about wigstock and yeah rue became an international like success because what at the time rupaul would have just been an nightlife performer who was this niche like very tall uh drag queen and then her yeah supermodel of the world uh yeah that's the name of the album in 93 it was released through tommy boy nice and supermodel you better work which we played at the top was an unexpected success because at the time in 93 it was all grunge and gangster rap right it was tupac biggie and nirvana in 93 and out of nowhere comes this dance track uh, it did better in Europe where it hit like, it was in like the top 40 in the UK and the US it peaked at 45 on the Billboard Hot, Hot 100. And on the da- the dance music club play chart, which is what really matters in New York City, it was peaked at number two. So it was doing great. And then it had a music video with RuPaul as a drag queen. It was the first time probably most Americans had ever seen a drag queen. Uh, and so it got heavy rotation on MTV. People absolutely loved it. And then Rue got booked on a bunch of, you know, mainstream television shows. So it was on the Arsenio Hall show. Uh, and then like a couple other songs off the album also did well. And then Rue was signed to a modeling contract for Mac Cosmetics, which oh, featured yeah. billboards with Rue in full drag with the text, I am the Mac girl. And then Rue released... I love it because, like, yeah, Rue released in 95 an autobiography. And it was like, (laughs) how untold was the story at that point? So Rue was 35 and put out an autobiography called Letting It All Hang Out. (laughs) 
And then was <laughs> had a guest appearance on ABC's All My Children. Oh, nice. So he was on a soap opera. Uh, was on a bunch of talk shows. And then the next year, Rue got a talk show on VH1 called The RuPaul Show. Uh, and guess who the co-host was? Michelle Visage. Michelle Visage. Um, yeah, it included tons of famous guests like Diana Ross, Nirvana, Duran Duran. We have to go find Nirvana being interviewed, interviewed by, by RuPaul. Young RuPaul. Um, yeah, Pat Benatar, Mary J. Blige, the Backstreet Boys. And so at the same time as filming that VH1 show with Michelle Visage, Rue also had a radio show on W, like a radio talk show. So competing with the Howard Stern show, basically, on WKTU in New York. And so Rue, trying to do the shock jock thing, also had uh, had Chi-Chi LaRue and Tom Chase speaking about the gay porn industry nice. as like famous guests. So there's like... Yeah, I read like a kind of a behind the scenes from like at that time, like Rue and Michelle would wake up at like four in the morning to go to the studio to do a drive time radio show from like, you know, five to 10 a.m. or like six to 10 a.m. And then would like go across town to like the VH1 television studios to film an afternoon talk show. Wow. And then go home and go to sleep. So like that's pretty that. It sounds terrible, but they were like super driven and it kind of makes sense that they're like best friends for life because they work hard. So Rue then put out several more albums. The third album was a Christmas album called Ho Ho Ho. Oh, it just got re-released, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, A Little Bit of Love. You know that track. Oh, yeah. A Little Bit. Came out in 90... That was for the UK. They used it, right? Yeah. Came out in 96 my goodness i'm sure we're hearing like a remix of it but like yeah rue has put out 14 albums total wow so yeah drag race has like an <laughs> infinite supply of uh runway tracks ho 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 came out in 97 rue was in the brady bunch movies where he played jan's female guidance counselor <laughs> which i have to go back because i yeah. watched that movie in 97 with my family as like a 14 year old and i did not know who rupaul was RuPaul is a very guidance counselor. It's like, you know, it's okay. Use your inner saboteur. Yeah. Don't listen to it. So then like 2002, really, uh, up to like 2007, Ru kept releasing albums and then kind of faded a bit. Uh, And it's not clear what really happened. And Ru like famously said that like he felt... In one initial interview, he said he felt betrayed and that the gay press wouldn't even cover like his new albums and he didn't know really what had happened. And my guess is they probably just weren't as good. Uh, or they weren't revolutionary. They were like, yeah, we've heard this before. This is also like, right, this is the early 2000s. So like Britney Spears and Max Martin and like dance music oh, yeah. is now gone mainstream and it's no longer grunge and gangster rap. It's the Backstreet Boys in sync era and... I, maybe RuPaul just wasn't putting out music on that like level or like attention well, shifted. Yeah. I mean, t- drag music is, it's like not good. It's not good, <laughs> it's not but good. it's, it's like, it's gaggy or whatever, but it's like not, I, you know, it's not like, it's just pop, you know, it's, it's not pop like, music. like, oh wow. Like, I don't know. There are some pop artists where you're like, oh, like Christina Aguilera. You're like, okay, they, they, she can really sing. Yes. Or like that's. So yeah, I think once you've song. heard one. Or a Max Martin or Dr. Luke produced pop song. You're like, that's a great song. Bye Bye yeah. Bye just is a great song. So once you've heard it's one. so well done. 
uh, drag music, you've kind of heard them all, except Todrick has very Todrick's humorous a great songwriter, and yeah. very, and he actually can sing. Todrick Hall for the listeners yeah. out there. Great, great drag. But I, I can Pop see artist. that being like, didn't you just release this song? <laughs> like, Yeah, I just feel that Rube. It's like, I'm doing drag and I'm really good and I'm walking that down. Was, and that I'm was da, da, da. Uh, Rose's read on Rue was that like, your one during song. the roast, was that like, oh, the difference between us is I'm a singer and you're a recording artist. Oh, and, and then Gottmik was, was like, like, I love your song. I love your hit song. I love your one. Hit, I love your hit song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, that is to say that like Rue's, Rue's career kind of had faltered and like faded a bit. And Rue sort of was like semi on hiatus. And then. Again, like, right, for somebody who, like, your first hit song came out when you were 33 and you really were doing great, and now it's, like, you know, 2005, you're, what, 45? Like, Rue was like, oh, I guess I'm done. Like, that was my career. I was, like, a pop star or whatever. And then VH1 called up Rue and called up Michelle and was like, we want to do a drag race reality television or drag reality television show. And Rue was like, absolutely not. I will produce a television show. I'm very excited about this. I feel I can do a lot. I still have a lot to say <laughs> things I can do for the gay community or drag community. I will not do a reality <laughs> television show competition. That's stupid. And guess what happened? And so the, this behind the scenes, like story of drag race, I read it was like, they then like kicked around ideas and workshop for like three straight weeks like 12 hour days being like what's what show are we gonna do like how can we make like be you know represent the drag you know drag culture and gay culture in a way that's accessible for america and still make an engaging show and in the end they produced a drag reality competition show yeah and the lost first season as it's referred to, was shot with a very like uh, grease smeared on the lens, soft focus. Season one filter. <laughs> Season one filter, as they call it. Uh, and the show just has evolved from there. And was originally, I think didn't actually start on VH1. It started on Logo Television, mm-hmm. which is a, I don't know if it's even still around. It is on YouTube. They, they oh, okay. Actually, a lot of the ball like stuff, they cover oh, like a lot of the ball. They explain. Yeah. So they, it was ri- yeah. originally on Logo and what premiered in 2007 and then wasn't on VH1, I guess, was just for Logo and then switched to VH, was bought by VH1 and then is now still on well, VH1 or like, Paramount Plus or Wow or Presents Plus wow Presents. or Amazon Prime. Like they keep they keep making deals with people. You they keep jumping it between down. distributors. So the show has very much evolved, but it's the, the basic format is that it's a drag race reality competition show and every week there is a challenge that the queens have to compete in and then every show is capped off by a runway where where they say category is there is a category and they do it and so it's like very much hearkening back to ball culture and they comment too they do the commentary but they're just talking the judges don't rap over the music that would be so much better if they had to but they do caddy commentary which is often like totally filled with puns and sexual innuendo and it is very funny and that's really what drag race is and they have to lip sync for their life at the end and then at the very end to not get eliminated the queens lip sync for their life which is also kind of i guess that should be a vogue or sorry ballroom categories lip syncing so well yeah to to their credit is like the show is 
both like exceedingly well written, well edited. It's super funny, um, super engaging. They do a great mix of like behind the scenes stories, people digging into their own personal traumas and like why they came to drag and their reasoning for it. Is but also like humor and very campy challenges. It's like there've been a like analyses for it and it's won dozens of like Emmy Awards. Yeah. Like primetime Emmy Awards. Rue has won a ton of awards for like being the producer as well as like the star of the show. And yeah, it's just exceptionally good television, as people have pointed out. It's like almost perfectly formatted for television, the way the show works. But it also is drawn from all these different influences. And Rue is like... He references like, too. He's, he's like... Routinely they, references They have the, re- the reading challenge and he's like, according to Paris is Burning, reading is what? And everyone's like, uh, fundamental. As made famous in Paris yeah. is Burning. And it's like but telling, he says, telling you to go watch it. Yeah. Yeah. And the, yeah, the lip sync for your life is taken just from drag shows. If you could ever go to a live drag show, there's always like lip syncing and dancing involved. So, like, that's not taken from ballroom culture. That's taken from, like, bar shows in New York City, which Rue also used to do. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a, it's an exceptionally well-done show that also seems to be, is, like, very honest and forthright. And, like, you know, even, like, a previous season finale, they, they'll even do, like, a career retrospective for a famous drag queen who was never on the show. They're not making any oh, money yeah. from it. It just is like a very sweet thing hot to chocolate. do. Yeah, hot chocolate. <laughs> like, you know, decades-long L.A. drag performer. And they'll do a lot of reenactments of, like, very campy, mo- like, whatever happened to Baby Jane. They- RuPaul loves that movie. Yeah. Um, Mommy Dearest. Mommy Dearest. Uh, uh, almost everything that RuPaul says is a quotation from Mommy Dearest. And Dallas. Yes. Dallas, I own 51% of this company. This company, yes. The show has a huge number of inside jokes that re- reward repeat listening. And I was going to tell you one of them. Okay. Do you, do you know where She Done Already Done had hers is? No. So the start of every episode, right after they introduce the challenge, they play this clip of Rue saying in this slurred voice. <laughs> she Done Already Done had hers is. Rue heard it at an Atlanta fast food restaurant while working like oh, wow. the bar scene in in his twenties. Um, where it was like Chick Fil A, an employee <laughs> an employee <laughs> wanted to go on break, and the man and like Rue's just like eating a burger, and the employee wanted to go on break, and the manager's like, "No, uh, like you know Sheila's going to take her break next." Oh, <laughs> she didn't already done hers. That's great. And we were like, I'm sure there's moments in your mind or like life that stick in your head that you like still yeah. wish you could quote. And Rue just, I love this. That Rue remembered that quote and probably was saying it to his friends for the like the last, for 30 years. And then Rue got a television show and was like, We're going to put this, oh yeah, it's time. I'm going to record the little voiceover bumper clip and here's what it's going to be. And it has evolved because Rue probably used to get criticism because. Paul didn't want any trans contestants on the show or any um, like female. No contestants. biological females. No one. No one with a vagina, basically. <laughs> and at the time, RuPaul was like, "No, I like the transformation." Like, I he was kind of like, "It's like steroids for it's like juicing." <laughs> 
because you don't have to like talk if you're you already know. biologically female or if you yeah. have estrogen you don't have to like you know do all this all the makeup tricks to like fill out your face yeah but it's like as so, as as a as a biological woman let me tell you you can still be very bad at makeup <laughs> <laughs> And Trust you can, me, yeah, it. you can still look bad in clothes. You can still not know how to sew. You can still not know how to act. Like, and I think RuPaul realized that and was like, okay. And then that season when RuPaul allowed all kinds of contestants, everyone came out as trans on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and people have, that's the thing. It's like every time there's a critique of the show that really seems to like catch on. Like I was reading this critique of the show when, when it first started airing in the UK for UK Drag Race. And it was like, oh, the show only presents and celebrates a certain type of drag. You mean the only drag queens like, that are in the UK? It has to be like, a no, they, they were critiquing oh, the American oh. version being like like a Violet Tchotchke or like it has to be very fashion forward, sort of androgynous, but with exquisite painting, but it doesn't celebrate strangeness or messiness, which oh, is yeah. like, was, was, one. was untrue even at the time, but also is particularly untrue now when like, yes, Evie Willow Pill, won, yeah. or Willow Pill on the show loves and celebrates dark humor and occasional sloppiness as long as it's genuine. Yeah. I think it's as long as you do it, well, as long as it doesn't look like shit, it, it can, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like there's, there's something where you're like, this is intentional camp and there's like unintentional camp, which the purest form of camp, but it's like, you're not going to win a show with that. This is also all with the caveat that like judging and doing competitions for art is stupid fundamentally. Yeah. But if you're going to do it, the the show I think does do a pretty fair, good job of it. Also, I mean, if it does have a lot to do with like how many social media followers the winner has, because you're representing, yes, you're representing the show and they're paying you $200,000. So it's like, they're kind of like, yes, good job. You've like promoted yourself, you know. Drag race also, it's very different. The To be very clear is because the definition of a drag queen has changed over time too, right? Because now you're a social media influencer. Now you're often you're doing, <laughs> particularly New York drag queens are doing song and dance because you're performing bar shows where you're entertaining yeah. people. So the show has like easily a quarter of it is like acting challenges or improv challenges which you wouldn't normally think of as like a drag queen's repertoire. But a lot of it is, is almost testing or checking like how ready you are, how quick you are. To like, go on tour with RuPaul. To go on tour with RuPaul. So the show really is, these days it's more like it's filtering like for like, yeah. It's like Charlie and the Chocolate it's Factory. For like, who's ready for a full-time gig with World of Wonder Productions? Yeah. As I was saying to you, you were like Brooklyn Heights Canadian queen who did not win Drag Race or even get to... It got to the finale, but did not win. Yeah. I don't uh, think you're good enough for Is Canada. now the host of Drag Race Canada. Because I was like, yeah, the show really is just filtering for like, who's ready to be a, you know, telegenic drag personality. Yeah. So it's, we love it. It's a great show. It's what got me into drag. And I have to say drag culture is very like happy. And whenever we go to a drag show or like a, a ball. I'm just so happy and like, I, I love it. I love to see it. I, as a, as a cis white straight man, <laughs> I absolutely love drag as well because 
<laughs> what I've you, seen. You just take your, my, your wig off. What would you say, like, to, what would you say <laughs> to five-year-old little Alex right now? Yeah. Um, no, I, I think a, a thing it really captures that, that most people don't get to do in their daily life or ever is that like imagine or think of a version, a best version of yourself, a caricature that you might want to inhabit if you could. It's silly. It's like a cartoon thing to think about, right? But if I were a superhero, if I got to be whoever I aspire to be that I would dream of being as my most powerful, like, present version of me. And then it tells you, like, okay, go dress up as that. Yeah. And then don't take it too seriously and have fun. Like, just li- feel your fantasy, which I love. Because that's a critique on Drag Race. Like, they can tell if you're, if you're not being yourself, like if you're yeah. trying to be like polished or they're like, that's not you. And I think that's that's so true. It's like just live your fantasy. Like don't live your fantasy. Don't live someone else's fantasy. So it has a ton in common with cosplaying, which I also do support where cosplaying is like go. But they're really serious Go about live it. as this character. But cosplayers are often like, yes, it's the scene is often criticized as mean or being overly serious. Whereas so much of drag is about. I don't think that's entirely true. I think a lot of cosplayers actually find family at like cosplay yeah, but like, conventions. If you were like, I want to make Batman like, d- like, okay, do yeah. a dip, they'd be like, well, don't do that. Because it's not cool gays. It's a bunch of, you know, mean, yeah. mean nerds at the conventions. <laughs> but, uh, that is to say that it's, that it's similar that you get to like, uh, live out of fantasy but what i particularly love about drag is the emphasis on creativity and uniqueness and charisma, charisma and nerve and talent. and talent but uh but specifically that it's a uh, cosplay is like yes dress up as some you know creative graphic artist visualization of his character sorry of comic-con is that whereas like drag race is like dress up as your fantasy your own fantasy yeah. which is very cool i don't know of any other real outlet like that other than like producing and starring in your own play that exists that's acceptable in uh adult life so i think it's very cool it's so yeah it's so fun it's helped me be be a better performer because i can really embody like whoever i'm being whatever story i'm trying to tell i uh, like a a stage venue scale production yeah because you overdo something yeah your panto my panto <laughs> so yeah we love it yeah uh what do you recommend if you give a quick quick primer tutorial for people who listen all the way through for like how they could get into learning about drag or appreciating it i think watch season six of drag race that's the, best the bianca season. del rio season yes i mean we got introduced at like season 11 but we've seen all of them but we um, got to see Miss Vanjie, who was who made it worthwhile. Yes, anyway. it's true. But beyond, I think that's a great like start because there's something in it for everyone with that season, and that's where you're gonna get all like a lot of the iconic like moments. Um, yeah, so watch season six. Go watch, support your local drag too. Yes. Watch Paris is burning. And oh then yeah, go support your local drag because I guarantee there's drag in your city. Yes, and it's super and bring fun. Your singles, bring ones. It's like going to a strip club. You yep. bring ones, you tip you, them when they do yep, the song. When they do the song, and it's so it's so much fun. And I will say, Drag Race is much more fun when you watch it at a gay bar. It's true. Oh yeah, go. Yes, go to come to Silo. Maybe you need to watch it. Home. <laughs> come to <laughs> come, watch come it. to Silo. We'll be screening it in we the in will. the fall. Okay. 
Well, with that, we'll just say thank you to our editor, Danny Feltz. Yes, Danny Feltz. You better work. And <laughs> you out there, if you get a chance, you need to rate this podcast. Give us a five, five, tens, five. Tens, tens, <laughs> Stars. Five, 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 five. Across the board. Walk, walk, walk. Walk, walk.